Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Hakun Wong and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me as always is Senior Staff Writer and Co-Host Ryan Whitfield. So tell me, Ryan, how are you doing today about this entire Julian Edelman news about facing a four-game suspension for violating the league's PED policy, uh, which he is currently appealing? Tell me, how do you feel about that? Yeah, as I intimated to you in the, the free uh, the pre-show talk that we were doing there, um, you know, I think it actually might be a good thing. Julian Edelman has a very hard time staying healthy on the field for 16 weeks. So uh, you get through the first four <laughs> weeks without him. The Patriots have proved they can go 2-2 two and two and still be at 12-14. and 14. So you get through those four games, and, uh, and then you get him back, and hopefully he can make a run all the way to the Super Bowl. Because when he's been a starter, because I don't count 2011, he hadn't emerged yet. And last year is obviously out. When he's been a starter, they're uh, they, you know they're two and zero in the Super Bowl, so it could benefit the Patriots as far as the the whole cheating scandal or aspect of it. You know, I, I'm under I'm under the belief after Ray uh, Ray Lewis grew back a limb uh, in 2012 that pretty much every player in the NFL is on something, uh, but this is on him to, uh, to to cover it up better. You got to be better at it. If you're gonna do it. You got to do it, dude. Right. You know, you can't be out there. Uh, <laughs> you know, you got to have a better masking agent. That's on Julian for not uh, being good enough at cheating. So I blame him for this. <laughs> Spoken like a true Pats fan. Not good enough for cheating, Julian. Just you got to get somebody else. So he's uh, so theoretically he's going to forfeit about four hundred seventy thousand dollars in base salary if his four game suspension is up uh, is up is up uh, held. He is actually appealing it at this moment. Uh, the first four games of the season: Houston, Jacksonville, Detroit, and Miami. Um, I suspect that um, Jack Houston will actually be better than we think this year. Jacksonville always a solid defense. Detroit, um, yeah, 50-50. Miami, I think you should be able to take care of without him. So, yeah, this is going to be a really interesting road for uh, the Patriots. I actually think this actually really helps um, Chris Hogan. I think it I think it helps, actually, Sony Michelle. Um, I, I honestly think that there's some, a lot more opportunity about uh, a proven slot receiver there to, to get something off to the running back. So, yeah, I think this actually could be good. But the other aspect of this is the entire Alex Guerrero thing. I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think there's any connection to Alex Guerrero, him, Edelman being a uh, being a Guerrero guy? I'm I'm not a Guerrero fan, and so this is not coming from the Patriot bias standpoint. It just their whole thing is about not lifting weights and about pliability and and flexibility, and so it's like it would, to me, it's like doing you know like a yoga master you know, asking you to do steroids. It's just like psychologically or philosophically, that's what I'm looking for. Philosophically doesn't right. make a lot of sense. So, you know, I think it's more likely that he was frustrated during his comeback and was trying to get healthier, better, quicker. He was doing the TV 12 stuff and said, yeah, this stuff's all great, but my ankle's not uh, healed or my, my ACL's not healed, rather. Um, then it's, what good am I going to be? So, no, I'm going to I'm gonna go out and do some juice on the side and then I'll come back and be ready to do all this whole flexible crap you guys are trying to do uh, after that. So, <laughs> I think it's yep. more likely it's not connected, but then again, this is the same guy who came out with concussion water and the cure for cancer and diabetes. So, you know, I don't put anything past the world. That is true. That is true. So we'll see how it all, all lines up. So, and uh, keep it keep it tuned in. We'll keep you updated on what, what's going on there. And we'll give you some tips on how to cover that for all you guys who are playing fantasy football as well. But until then, let's go ahead and get rolling. <laughs> 
So the first thing I want to talk about today, and the one thing that was basically on our radar, is this entire game day foods debate, which uh, <laughs> which I know Ryan kind of made it a, a big issue uh, at the beginning of um, at the beginning of uh, the week when he kind of pre- premiered. This will be uh, a new segment for us, in which we're going to be talking about all the wonderful game day foods we stuff our faces with and which ones we prefer. And I know he got some shout outs from, uh, some listeners and uh, followers. You got, you want to give those shout outs first? Yeah, quickly. I think that this is a, a good time of year to do this. It's kind of the doldrums of the, of the NFL off season. You know, we have, we we'll go back to OTAs next week before training camp really is going to, you know, ramp, ramp up here at the end of, uh, or in, in next month. So, um, you know, a couple of shout outs from the Twitter guys, you know, cause I put out this poll on Twitter, this open question on Twitter, and uh, so at the fantasy headliners came at us with deep fried Philly cheesesteak rolls, which I cannot say that I've ever had, <laughs> but it does sound delicious. I'm going to save my, I'm going to skip over the next one I had written down and go to, that one's my favorite. I think so I'm going to wait till, till the end. Um, okay. Uh, at Beerfield FF, which are the boys from Beerfield fantasy who we've had on the show multiple times. Yeah. Uh, they put out beer, uh, beer brats and buff chick dip. Uh, at Pyro huh. Stag came at us with fried mac and cheese. Now, I don't know if those are fried mac and cheese balls, but if they are, then I am a big fan, although can't say that I've ever gone through the work to put that together on a game day. Uh, yep. At the Loaded Box gave us a top five list for them. Uh, they came out with meatballs, buff chicks dip, pizza, potato skins, and buff wings. And then the last one, which is the one I thought was the most interesting because I had never heard of it, and I'm definitely trying right. it this year, uh, at Thurry BFF, who's Dan Thurry from the Beerfield Fantasy Show, uh, yep. had little smokies, he called them, which I guess are just uh, like the miniature little, uh, you know, pigs in a blanket style uh, hot dogs. Uh, okay. Basically uh, made in like a crock pot with barbecue sauce. So okay. I, will, uh, I will be adding that to the menu this this football season. So I'm looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, no doubt. I definitely got to try that. I mean, it was kind of funny, those those guys, uh, Beerfield Fantasy, actually talking about brats because, you know, that's kind of a Midwest thing. And I'm actually from the Midwest. I, I love brats. But, you know, you come out here east, people don't do, do brats that often. Not, not the type of brats you get from, from uh, Wisconsin. So uh, kudos to them for bringing that up. Like, why don't you give us – you know, we, were gonna, we had a top five lined up. So, you know, why, why, don't you, why don't you walk through your top five? And I'm actually going to do a little spin on mine because I'm going to talk about um, ones that I've had at stadiums um, and ones that I've recreated at home based on ones I've had at stadiums. So you, why don't you fire away? Okay, so I'll start at number five and I'll work my way down through obviously the most boring to the best. Number five <laughs> is boring, but also very important, especially if you're having people over. I like a good crackers, cheese, and real pepperoni platter. And by the real pepperoni, I'm talking the kind you actually have to cut, not the kind that comes in the hormone bag, uh, or yeah. bag, which is uh, all pre-sliced. I'm talking that real big you know, stick of pepperoni that you got to cut yourself. Uh, that's my number five. My number four, yeah. it's kind yep. of... Oh, sorry. You want to chime in? No, no, no. Go ahead. Yeah, go, go, go through your five because I, I, mine, are, mine, my list is going to sound weird compared to yours. <laughs> okay, so my number, my number four uh, is a little bit boring, but a staple, and that would be uh, pizza. Just a good old-fashioned pizza on game oh, yeah. day. No number three would be, and I'm drawing a blank. Oh, just yeah, buffalo wings. I know that's one on the list. Uh, most oh of the yeah, winner all the way around. Out, but obviously, buffalo wings. Obviously, uh, number three which is what I just did. So number two is uh, loaded chicken nachos, which I make homemade, which are uh, fantastic. And then yep. number one, which is my absolute favorite, I uh, got to start prepping it the night before, but a good old-fashioned cold barbecue chicken sandwich with a little coleslaw on it. Oh, nice, nice. I like that. That sounds delicious. So let me, let me give you – so this is – I did mine a little different than yours because what I did was um, things that I – foods that I ate at NFL stadiums, 
that I really liked or that friends of mine who went to particularly notable NFL stadiums particularly liked and was like, oh, you got to talk about this. So number five, and I haven't had this one myself, but a, a good friend of mine went to Super Bowl 50 uh, a couple of years ago uh, when the Broncos beat the Panthers. Uh, and there at Levi Stadium, um, they actually serve a crab sandwich, which is fresh crab salad served on a toasted sourdough, garlic bread, sliced tomato. He sent me a picture. It looks fantastic. So, you know, hats off to you, my friend. That was actually looks great. If I actually get out there, I'm going to definitely give that a shot. At number four, um, and I had this last year when I was at the Los Angeles Coliseum to watch a Rams Seahawks game is the Mexican street corn. They had this uh, grilled chile elote. It's basically an ear of grilled corn seasoned with chili powder, lime, and cotilla, uh, cotillas cheese. It is fantastic. And you don't need any, any utensils to eat it. You just kind of, you know, chow away. It's perfect for eating in a stadium, except for if you do, fantastic. if you're like me, and you drop it on yourself because then it makes a freaking mess, <laughs> dude. I mean, like I was covered in like, like butter and cheese and chili powder. It's not pleasant in a, in the hot Los Angeles sun. So be careful. If you're going to eat those things, hold on to them, man. They, they slip right out of your hand. Number three. Uh, and this is a friend of mine uh, who grew up in Pittsburgh, uh, Heinz field fan, a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. He uh, suggested the pierogies. Uh, at the Pittsburgh Pierogi House, Section 119, it comes in three different forms because the, there's a very uh, traditional uh, Polish um, um, uh, uh, community there in Pittsburgh, so there's a lot of influence there. And uh, they have traditional, they have a, what's called Mexican War Streets in a Bloomfield, which is spicy salsa verde and vodka sauce. So sounds really delicious. I'll give that a shot if I ever get down there. I gotta, uh, he I also gotta tell you, pierogies are one of the most underrated food items in the oh, world. Yeah? People do not nice. give pierogies enough respect. Love pierogies. Oh, sweet. Now, see, now, I love that's a glowing. That is a glowing. Uh, that you know now I feel like I have to now I feel like I have to go get some some pierogies because I actually never had a pierogi before. So this is uh, this is big oh. news for me. I actually really am excited about the prospect of actually you know actually getting pierogies and then and, and trying them out because of the fact that I love um, pasta and I love cheese and I love potato, which I, from what I understand is basically pierogies. So that's yep, that's awesome. It. One, two, and three. <laughs> and then kibasa is the other thing that they have there so i you know I, i'm going to put that on my list as well so i'm pretty pretty interested in all those things you know not i'm a little bit unsure like you know if, if i'm if i'm really on board with um with doing both of those things it might be a really really tough day for me there if i try to eat both of those but i, I will definitely give that a shot number now number two is one i've, I've had many 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 times it's the italian sausage and peppers I'm going to talk about the one at MetLife Stadium only because of the fact that's the one I have the most often. And there is a particularly big, um, you know, Italian community in the New York area. So Giants and Jets games, loaded, sautéed onions, peppers, uh, charred vegetables falling off the side. And they also have what's called, at Jets games only, they have what's called the Jumbo Jet Sausage. 24 inches of pure cholesterol for 50 bucks. So there you go. That's, uh, that's some good stuff right there. And my number one, and I, I, it hurts me to say this because it's from my most hated team, but Lambeau Field and the Green Bay Packers, they sell something called the Lamb Bowl. And the Lamb Bowl contains three pounds of sausage, different types, like four different types of sausage, three pounds of sausage cut up, cheese curds, bacon, tater tots, lining kugels, Bavarian dunkel beer cheese, and red cherry peppers. That is freaking amazing. $10 of a souvenir bowl, man. That was like... Even though I hated every <laughs> second of enjoying that, I really, really enjoyed that. My, my heart probably didn't enjoy that, but I really enjoyed that. Uh, I absolutely uh, and did gonna, not. 
and I'll give one more honorable mention here. The honorable mention, and this is not from, um, and this is not from a um, an NFL stadium. This is actually from the Atlanta Braves stadium, Turner Field, before they moved to SunTrust Stadium, and this was back in 2016. They had what's called the Burgeritza. The Burgeritza is $26. It's a grilled 20 ounce all beef patty covered with five slices of cheddar cheese, topped with bacon, and served between two two eight-inch pepperoni pizzas. <laughs> and there you go. That one, wow. honorable mention right there. Not, a, not an NFL game day food, but if I can make that for myself, uh, I might not make it past game day, honestly. So that's, that's, that's my <laughs> yeah, food right there. Game day, game day foods are not recommended by your local, uh, your local uh, cardiologist. Adult, uh, <laughs> yeah, physician. There we go. That's the word. Right, right. This yeah, is, they're, they're doing, definitely doing not. Doing this draft while trying to talk is really just a bad combo for me right now. But I'm going I'm to keep trying to power my way through it. You're, you're telling me. I'm really, I'm, I was really suffering at the last one. I don't know if you noticed that I started repeating myself because I couldn't figure out which wide receiver I, I, I wanted. I, saw the, I, saw, I saw the clock ticking down. You were about two seconds left before you pulled the trigger there. I know, I know. It was close, dude. So, <laughs> yeah, so, let, so let's let everybody in on what we're doing here because I know everyone knows that we're doing this, but I'm, I'm going to ring the bell on this segment. And let's, tell them, uh, and then let's give them a little background music because, you know, this is exciting stuff here. Uh, so we are doing a live draft as we speak. In fact, we've been doing it for the last uh, about 10 minutes now, 13, 14 minutes, actually. We're already in the sixth round, and what we're doing is a 12-team best ball league on draft.com. So for all those who are unfamiliar uh, with these types of leagues, best ball means you don't have to set a lineup. Basically, it's your best quarterback, your best two running backs, best three wide receivers, and your best tight end scores each week in a half PPR format, and you have 18 total players. The catch is there is nothing you can do once you've drafted. There is no pickups, no waiver wire trades, no nothing. Basically, you guys, you, you draft and you guys get injured, tough luck. You hope, hope you have some backups. Uh, and that's the way it's played. So it's really, really uh, important that you do a good job during your draft, which is why it's really funny because we've been doing that while talking about food over the last uh, 15 minutes. And we are now into the sixth round. So... You know what? What are your things? What are your takeaways so far, Ryan, on what we've done so far in this draft? Yeah, I mean, my my big takeaway um, that I've caught in pretty much I've done I've done a bunch of I've started to switch over to mocks because I have about I got so addicted on draft I have about thirteen one dollar leagues already drafted. So I took a <laughs> wow. little break and uh, started doing some mock drafts to get a little more prep for the regular or the regular fantasy football season. But yeah. the, the overall theme here is get your running backs early. It is insane how quickly running backs are flying off the board. Uh, so, for for instance, you know any draft I've been in where it's a standard you know snakes draft setup where I'm where I'm picking at the back half of the first round. Yep. You know I'm taking. You know I actually posted up on Twitter at Ryan Whitfield any by the way uh, this yep. last week and I had a lot of feedback yesterday on, on or two days ago on a mock draft I did where I had to take Dalvin Cook as the number one back for me. And I'm not kidding you, at number 10, he was the best option. Now, I was at number 11 in this draft, and somehow Leonard Fournette was still there. But that was the best option on the board. And so you're really looking at young kids because the staple guys that you, you know, the names you know, are, I mean, the running backs are going one, two, three, four. I, I have not, I've seen very few drafts where Antonio Brown's even cracked the top four. It is pretty much across the board. Uh, uh, Gurley, Zeke. David Johnson, and why am I forgetting the fourth guy who's going up at the top? Um, uh, Gurley, no, not, uh, yeah, I guess Hunt does come up really early, but I think that you'll probably find Gurley, Bell, Johnson, 
Um, Bell, Elliot, Kamara. So, so in this draft, Kamara went fifth. Then Antonio Brown comes off the board. Then someone comes after Saquon, uh, Saquon Barkley. And then Kareem Hunt. I mean, six out of the first seven picks are, you know, are, are going as uh, as running backs, as you can tell. I'm yep. going to scroll back to find my spot before my pick comes up. Uh, but, yeah, so yep. it's just, you know, the running backs are flying off early. So you got to – you got to get running backs. I would have some some running back sleepers, which I have an interesting theory on, which I will get to towards the end of the show. Uh, but you'd want to have some of those guys lined up and ready to go. And then, you know, receiver, on the other hand, one through 30 in receivers pretty loaded, but then there's a huge cliff after the 30th guy goes off the board for receivers. Yeah. And it's really digging into the dumps. So, I mean, more than ever, there's, there's, there's finally a resurgence of quarterbacks. So I, I would say the overall theory this year is load up on running backs early in the late early rounds into the middle rounds, hammer wide receivers, and then and obviously taking you know best available. Don't don't jump over like in my case, back at pick fourteen, there was basically another, you know, couple of mediocre, you know, average running backs, but I, there was still Julio Jones sitting there. So you grab somebody like that and then try to build out your depth after that. But you you definitely want to hold off on quarterbacks to the late rounds, the late mid rounds in this year's draft. Oh, absolutely, absolutely true. And actually, I, and I had a, you know, I had the first pick in this draft, and I, I took Todd Gurley number one. But then when I came around to the the swing, I took Mike Evans, who I thought was the best wide receiver available at that spot. And then, you know, I was kind of stuck in a conundrum. I could take like a second, third tier, you know, stretching flex type running back, or take another top wide receiver, or take Travis Kelce. And I just kind of felt like tight end is actually not that deep this year. I mean, I, I actually. And in best ball, you can definitely wait longer. And, and I wholeheartedly say that if you want to wait on tight end in best ball, feel free to grab three kind of flyers at the end, things like, you know, Mike Gusecki, you know, and things like that. I mean, I, I have no problems of doing something like that. The David Joku, uh, Trey Burton, Clay, uh, even Charles Clay, Jared Cook go really late. You know, any of those guys, I, I totally wholeheartedly think that that's a fine strategy, but I've actually been leaning towards taking one of the top, you know, six, seven, eight tight ends, and then taking just one tight end to kind of cover my bye week. And if I feel like it at the end, taking the flyer on someone like a Mike Gusecki or um, a Hayden Hurst or someone like that, but but really kind of keeping it at two tight ends, one premium starter. How do you feel about how about how do you feel about the tight ends? I kind of feel like the Hunter Henry thing kind of shook things up a little bit. It definitely did. I mean, it's one of the situations that. There's really only two elite guys now, right? I think Hunter Henry had a chance to break into that class, but I, I don't think oh, yeah. anybody else is in the Gronk or Kelsey class. Hold on. I'm going to pull the trigger here. There you go. <laughs> Chris Thompson, folks, at number eight, at, eight, at the eighth round. <laughs> but I just did it at the end of the seventh round where I took Rudolph. Um, yep. Because, and that was actually kind of a late-breaking opinion because I was doing some digging today. Um, okay. I believe it was me and a uh, kid named Andrew Erickson, who you can find on Twitter. I can, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tag him in one of the promos after the show. So we can go find him. He, uh, he's a data analyst over at uh, pro football focus and does a bunch of uh, fantasy football sites and a kid that I'm kind of working or in kind of a group with now of fantasy people putting out a bunch of tweets every week, really great follow, great insight. But he was talking about yep. Kirk Cousins only throwing uh, three red zone touchdowns last year but that his weapons this year uh, were better than, than he'd ever had. And so I went particularly dug into the red zone numbers. And I got to tell you, I was surprised to find this, but in the red zone last year with Case Keenum at the helm, we saw uh-huh. 16 targets for 14 receptions and six touchdowns was the stat line for Kyle Rudolph. 
So Kyle Rudolph wow. sitting there in the seventh round at a weak position and a man that can produce in the red zone and a guy who's probably going to be uh, pretty thankful to finally have somebody with some size in the red zone. Yep. Um, yep. I think that's a great option. And also, I think people know Stephon Diggs is not a great red zone option because of his size, and he's more of an outside guy. So he's more yep. of the stretch the field kind of player. But Adam Thielen was actually, I think he was like tied for fifth or he was in the top 10. Or he might have been ninth or eighth. He was a little lower, but he's top 10 in targets in the red zone last year. His stat line, he had, I believe it was 17 targets, so just one more than Rudolph. He had 17 targets, only five completions, and I think he had two or three touchdowns. Um, so he was targeted a bunch, but he just didn't perform well in the red zone. So they don't really mm-hmm. have another. I mean, Dalvin Cook's going to be an added weapon they didn't have in the red zone last year. But Kyle Rudolph, if you're looking for somebody, um, you know, that, that, can't, that isn't just strictly touchdown dependent, but that you can also rely on to get you some touchdowns, if you don't want to right. go early on a tight end with Gronk or Kelsey, uh, Rudolph's yep. a, good, a good guy to grab late. So overall, yeah, I agree. The tight end is, is an important position right now. Um, and then, yeah, just stacking up your depth. And um, this is the one league I also put out a poll on this. I don't know if you saw this um, this week, but I put out a poll on handcuffing running backs. And I will tell you that uh, best ball is the only league I don't hate doing it in. And mm-hmm. I still am against like true handcuffing personally, but I, you know, I do have guys and uh, Chris Thompson on my roster, hedging my bets a little bit, but also the, hoping that's a kind of a, a, you know, a situation where they both do enough different things that it's not a true guy sitting behind Chris Thompson, that they're both filling different roles in that offense and both be productive this year. Right. Right. And so I'll just note for the listeners that eight, that Julian Edelman with the new news still went in the eighth round um, of the draft, 12-team draft. I think, that's about, I think that's probably about right. How do you feel about the eighth mm-hmm. round for Julian I'd let him fall to like the ninth or tenth. I had a chance that I'm in the eighth round, and I said, you know, I have that late turn, you know, the 11-15, mm-hmm. the, yep. the 30, whatever, 35, 38 turn like that. Um, so I didn't pick him at the, at the beginning of the eighth round. I said, hey, if he's there at the end of the ninth round, I'll take a swing at him. But um, missing four games is no small shake. I mean, in a format like this, you might be able to ride it out because you know you'll right. have the guy step up earlier. But right. you know, for me, I still would have I still would have liked to at least want one you know another like ten or so picks to come off the board before him. But this this has right. been a weird draft. I don't I don't know if you've been paying attention. There's been some some weird. I, I mean, I took Dion Lewis at pick fifty nine, and I know he's in a new offense, but somebody. Somebody five picks ahead of me went down the board and grabbed and snagged Marlon Mack, who hasn't proved the damn thing yet, ahead of Dion Lewis, who's a proven commodity. <laughs> and that seems that seems really bold to take Marlon Mack about forty picks before his projector is ADP right now. Um, yeah, just to take him. So, I, I also thought that it was. I mean, there's it, 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 a lot of weird stuff going on here. I mean, p- first of all, people are are really, 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 really reaching for running back. They're not following, uh, you know, any. I think they're kind of just going for whatever, uh, whatever they, whatever they feel most comfortable with. And then I'll just note also for the listeners, ninth round is suddenly a run on tight ends here, uh, which is interesting. And over the end of the eighth to the beginning of the ninth, there was uh, six quarterbacks drafted. So that kind of went, went, <laughs> suddenly went fast. Um, and I, and I actually drafted Tom Brady at the end of the last pick of the eighth round, which is something I, I haven't done in many drafts because he hasn't fallen that far. Uh, I found that some people will still take him, and he is probably one of the top three quarterbacks uh, for sure in this format. Um, and people have been taking him much earlier than that. So when he got to that point, I, I kind of typically don't take a quarterback till round ten, but I, I made an exception this time around because um, it's it's Tom Brady. So I, you know, you get, if he's there at eight, I just figured I, I'd have to take him. But I, you know, I, I can tell you this: 
I, I hate my running backs, right? I mean, like, I taught, took Todd Gurley number one. I waited for a while to take another t- running back until about round seven, and uh, or round six and seven, and I ended up with Jamal Williams and Marshawn Lynch. You know, so I don't really feel I don't feel great about that at all. And uh, my wide receivers also, I mean, I feel better about them. So taking Travis Kelce at number three at the third round really did have a little bit of an impact on the rest of my my lineup. You know, I, I really felt like that that definitely negatively impacted my running back depth for sure. Like I, I, if I had to go back and do it again in a 12 team league, maybe I, I would have passed on Kelchi. It's just, it's just so enticing uh, in the third round. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think where he, where Jesus. So I listened to myself back on the beer field fantasy the other day and I start way too many sentences on podcasts saying, yeah, I mean, um, so that, that's a, that's a pick I'm trying to work on. And I've done it twice in this one. And it's, it's, it's your catchphrase, man. Yeah. God. <laughs> Um, so, but no, I, I agree. I agree that, you know, it definitely has an effect. I mean, every pick you have is going to have a residual effect. Right. But I, you know, I don't, I don't hate the move. I'm looking right now. Is he going to still be there? I'm going to, I'm going to roll the dice. It's a, it's my like 10th MFL draft. So I'm going to roll the dice that there's no discipline for Robbie Anderson and snag. Him. Look at that. Robbie uh, Anderson on the 10th round. That's, 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 that's not bad. I have no, I have no problems with that. I mean, yeah, I, mean, yeah, now, you, I can tell you this though. Again. When I drafted um, Jamal Williams, <laughs> At the front, I actually was hoping to get Aaron Jones as well. I was really trying to get the total uh, Packers backfield, but then Aaron Jones got sniped in the ninth before my turn came around. So that kind of put a put a what I probably should have done if I really wanted it was at the turn take both Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones together, um, which is why yeah, I mean, you know yeah. No, I'm gonna, no, no I, mean, I was, was going to say that that's I, why I took Marshawn Lynch, but I should have taken Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones together because then at least I knew I had the Packers backfield. Well, you don't have Ty Montgomery though, so you got to watch out for that. But uh, right, right, no, that's I, true. I, 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 agree, I don't think it's, 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 this is the running back fallout. I mean, somebody. This is getting to the point where it's getting really frustrating. This is always the point of the year where I get like where I get high on a running back that is going under the radar. And last year with Alvin Kamara was like the first time that his name really didn't ever catch fire. But the Carry On Johnson thing right now, somebody took Carry On Johnson in seventh round. I know, I know, I saw that. That's that's absurd, and I'm high on Carryon Johnson. I'm high right. on him as a, as a as a, and I think the the guy JJ from uh, God, I'm gonna forget what it is now, but I, I referenced him multiple times in this poll I did the other day. But he he has a theory that to be a breakout star, the way he measures it is that you have to fall outside the top 100 and then outperform your your preseason point projection by 100 points. And I think Carryon Johnson can be that, except for ever since he came out with that podcast, I think a lot of people listened to it because now Carryon Johnson all of a sudden went from like an ADP of 180 when we were doing this, when we did that big league uh, or multiple uh, multiple people, uh, you know, with the Beerfield Fantasy guys, NFL Talking yep. Heads, all those shows, yep, we yep. all did that, that draft. He was 180. Now he's going... Now I see him like mock drafts on Yahoo's in like the 90 range, and then he went up 70 in this one. So apparently, too many people are on Carry On Johnson now, and I do not like him at, at a value in the seventh round at all. So, but people are desperate for running backs right now, so everyone's grabbing anybody they can. And 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 to that te- to, to in a testament to that, I just took Dante Foreman, Deontay Foreman, at the end say. of the tenth round, which I would never do in a regular draft. <laughs> I'm just telling you, telling you all right now, I would never do that in a regular draft. That just that just stinks. <laughs> and, and I'm gonna do something well, else I never do. Sound happy draft. About I think, it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not happy about. I'm not happy about how this is turning out right now. I feel. I feel good about right now about uh, my tight end 
my first running back and Tom Brady. That's basically it. Tom Brady, Todd Gurley, Travis Kelce, and everybody else is just details. <laughs> really, really, uh, really horrible. This is what happens, though, with a 30-second draft, you know? I mean, like, you don't have a lot of time to really plan this stuff out. No, and I said certainly for me, I have my show notes in front of me, not my uh, not my my uh, my charts or anything like that. I don't have any of my right. my preset no, I don't either. Uh, list yep. that I that I carry on with me. So I'm I'm literally drafting off the fly right now, just taking the 30 me seconds too. to scroll down over the next like 20 25 names, and then yep. and then pull the trigger, and then just hope I you know. But again, it's a one dollar buy-in league, so what is uh, yeah? What's the it's, harm it's, you go do a little bit of experimenting, and you kind of figure out where everybody goes. You know, one one guy I like now. This is interesting because he actually was drafted a little bit. Uh, a little bit earlier, um, but I actually like uh, Tyler Eifert as a value this year. Um, I'm trying to see where he went. I think he went. He went actually went pretty early in this draft. I think. Um, did he go before you picked Randolph? Him he might have. I don't. I can't remember the last time I saw his name on the list. Yeah, me neither. But but the the fact of the matter is that I, I kind of like. Oh, there he is. He just went. He just went a couple picks ago. So it was in the 11th round. Oh, I kind of yeah, like Tyler Eifert. If you're gonna go for that late. Round, you know, wait for it. Tyler Eifert, and then pairing him with somebody like David Joku and uh, and you know Hayden Hurst or or Mike Gesicki. I like that strategy. That's not so bad. I mean, it's, that's, I think I could really do that. All right. Well, hey, unfortunately for our listeners, uh, this is we're only in the eleventh round, but we only got sixty seconds left in our podcast. So, I, uh, hopefully, you guys got a little bit out of this. We will uh, we'll go ahead and post up the results after we're done. I'm going to try and capture this uh, entire draft somehow. Let's we'll see what I can do to do that. But um, so why don't you give us your uh, why don't you give us your social media there, um, uh, Ryan, so people can follow you. Yeah, follow me on Instagram, football underscore garbage underscore time. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ryan Whitfield. Ne, I'm doing daily fantasy polls at this point, and uh, check out my boys at DraftingSleepers.com, the social network for fantasy sports, and check out my boy at Chris underscore ADF1 from All Day Football for the most comprehensive football and fantasy football analysis online. Yeah, and, and check out Ryan's uh, series on the AFC East. He's done a really nice job breaking down their draft picks. There's one more part coming. Check out the first three parts. It's really, really good stuff. Uh, and you can follow me at FB Garbage Time. And, uh, hey, we'll, we'll be back next week. we got much more information for you. Get, get, be sure to check back on our site. We'll post up the results of our draft. We are happy to answer your questions on any of your draft uh, needs as well. Uh, until next time, enjoy your NFL week. And I'll pull up another crazy poll with some kind of food question or something like that for next week as well. So make sure you guys give your feedback on that. I do love food. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.